Hello, you're very welcome to the Stoma Service podcast series. My name is Emma Tracy, I'm the Service Improvement Manager for Surgical and Clinical Services, which includes the Stoma Care Service, and I'll be today's host. So today I'm joined by the Stoma Care Nurses, Tracy, Karen and Mari. You're all very welcome, it's great to have you with us, but before we go any further, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, I'm Tracy Donnelly, I am the Stoma Services Manager for the Northern Trust. Hello, I'm Mari Mullen, I'm the Stoma Care Nurse um, based in Causeway Hospital. And my name is Karen and I am a stoma care nurse based at Antrim. That's great, thanks guys. So our podcast today is on parastoma hernias. So Karen, can you start by telling us what a parastoma hernia is? Yep, sure Emma. So a parastoma hernia is basically a term used to describe any bulge or swelling in and around the stoma. It's when a stoma is created an incision is made in the abdominal wall and that creates a weakness. The hernia is when the bowel from behind that pushes through that that weakness and that gap and causes the skin to protrude out and pushes the skin outwards into a bit of a lump. Um, The size and the shape of the hernia uh, can vary from person to person. It can be as small as a golf ball or it can grow to the size of a grapefruit. Thanks, Karen. So, Tracy, should patients be worried if they see signs of a parastomal hernia developing? Um, a good 60 to 70 percent of um, patients who have a stoma will at some stage develop a parastomal hernia. So it's very, very common. Um, the thing is, a lot of those patients actually do not have any problems, don't have any symptoms, bar they have this bit of a bulge. Really the concerns the patients come to me with are they have this bulge uh, um, just behind their stoma and it makes it protrude more. And patients will say, well, the bag doesn't fit as well, they're having problems with leakage. Or the biggest thing is body image, that they look upon themselves as having this like abnormality in behind their stoma. And um, so getting close to fit can be a bit difficult. Disguising it can be a bit difficult. And they can become more conscious of it, so they can. The other things that can happen is that they have this sensation where as the day goes on, there's like a dragon sensation. So we'll describe having this dragon sensation. And my advice to them would be take some simple analgesia, over-the-counter analgesia. And um, I would always say, take a rest, lay down, relax. Try and manipulate the hernia back in again by doing some nice soft massage right the way around the stomach. And they'll find that that does actually give them a bit of relief. So it does. Because there is this bulge in behind the stoma, it also can distort the shape and the size of the stoma. So um, the aperture or the um, template of the stoma has changed size. So we, we, need to, we need to have a look at that and resize. So the first thing I would advise patients, if they feel that they do have a parastomal hernia, is to take out their measuring guide and measure their template again to see if they cut into the correct size. Their pouch that they're using might not now be suitable for them, so they might need a different type of pouch. Um, basically, that's to come th- through us again, and we would see the patient resize the stomach, check the skin. If they're having any skin issues because of leakage, we can deal with it there as well, so we can. But they are really, really common. Um, and as I said, not an awful lot of people actually have any issues with them. Management of, um, tends to be non-surgical, so the patients say to me, oh, why need to get this repaired? The short answer is no, not really, because a high percentage of those hernia repairs actually reoccur. So the surgeons aren't that keen. So really and truly, if it's not causing any problems, why touch it? Mm-hmm. So we tend to manage 
with stomas, uh, with the parastomal hernias with um, garments, support garments. But initially, I would say to patients, wear good pants, wear nice fitting clothes, um, and um, wear the support garment. Uh, well, we would tend to, wouldn't we, Mary? We tend yeah. to fit them for a support garment about 8 to, 10, 8 to 12 weeks after yeah. surgery. Yeah. But we're going to discuss later in this podcast series about the prevention and the management of parastomal hernia. So we'll talk about that a wee bit more. Major complications with parastomal hernia are rare, but if you experience any severe abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, or if your stomach has stopped working, or is discolored, you really should have um, the medics have a look at it. Thanks, Tracy. So, Mari, who is more likely to develop a parastomal hernia? Um, well, actually, it's not fully understood why some people develop a parastomal hernia and other people don't. It's not just patients with stomachs who can have hernias, um, but all everybody can develop a hernia at some stage. But not all hernias require surgery, like we have said. But for um, um, today, most all stoma patients are at risk of a hernia because they have had abdominal surgery. Especially if um, post-op, initially right after their surgery, they're very at risk because their muscles are weak because they've had their abdominal surgery. They may have um, some vomiting after surgery, which puts extra pressure on the abdominal wall. Also coughing and sneezing. And then it's really important that patients are very careful, especially with getting in and out of bed. Um, and also they could use a, a pillow or a towel across their tummy to offer a bit of more support. Um, also patients who smoke um, and drink alcohol or, or high, high alcohol consumption um, are at risk and being elderly or frail. If you've had many abdominal surgeries, your muscles are very weak. And really anything um, that if you put in strain in your abdominal muscle, you're at risk of a hernia. Being overweight, those patients, patients with pre-existing diseases, um, like respiratory diseases, diseases, for example, where they have a lot of coughing. So pregnancy as well, our ladies who have had um, children or who have been pregnant, their muscles are weak, so you're more at risk of a hernia. And any activity, job, hobby, or sport that creates repeated excessive straining, especially very soon after surgery, um, and incorrect heavy lifting. So it is really important that we try and build up our muscles in our tummy to try and prevent these, or reduce the risk of developing a hernia. I suppose um, patients who have had certain surgeries are more at risk. So mm-hmm. I find our colostomy patients very much so. Are, yeah. are at a higher risk of developing mm-hmm. uh, parastomal hernia more so than our allostomy mm-hmm. patients. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. And then I suppose the bile is a bit bigger and the, the, the gap is probably larger mm-hmm. as well. And also patients on chemo, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Chemo and, and steroid steroids as well. Yeah. And any anything at all that creates a weakness in your abdominal wall. Um, a lot of patients who are coming in for surgery, um, especially um, some of our cancer patients, tend to be on the older side as well. And you, as you get older, you tend not to do as much exercise. You tend to gain a wee bit more weight, especially ladies following menopause. And a lot of that weight as you get older does lay itself down in your, in your abdomen. Mm-hmm. The, the larger the abdomen is. And then as a whole now, I think society, our younger patients are more into exercise. Mm -hmm. We are more educated. 
So they are very um, tuned in to building up muscles in their tummy. Everybody wants the six pack, the core <laughs> muscles. You know, so I think our younger patients now are more tuned into, in, into this. And sometimes the risk with that is they go back to those activities maybe too soon yeah. and put that extra pressure on just too soon before they're fitted for the support program. Yeah. And patients after having surgeries, especially if you've been maybe ill for a long time before your surgery and then you've had your surgery, you're, you're maybe experiencing an awful, an awful lot of tiredness and weakness after your surgery. So um, you tend not to be focused as much on the core exercises as you should be. Um, and they tend to develop these hernias and they're quite surprised because they have actually done nothing. Mm-hmm. But the weakness has been there. No fault of anybody's, but it's just that weakness there. And simple things like getting out of the bed incorrectly or lifting lifting something heavy like hoovering you know us ladies are great for taking our hoover out because we want the house nice and tidy and clean um making veg you can develop but you don't realize how much you use those core muscles when oh, you're doing those things yeah. even something simple like driving you know pressing on the accelerator and the clutch when you're driving can put your abdominal muscle under some so it is important that we as stomach care nurses remember to educate our patients about um, building up your muscles in your tummy even before surgery. It can be yeah. done before and preparing yourselves for well, surgery. And they're pre op now, we do discuss pre op exercises, and that's all to do with core core exercises and what's important to do. And, and getting yourself fit and healthy before your surgery. If you are a smoker, stop smoking. If you do drink an awful lot of alcohol, reduce it down and try and lose a bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Simple wee things, <laughs> tough wee things to do, but simple enough that if you implement that before your surgery, um, go for a good walk and, 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 and increase your exercise tolerance levels. These things do work to your advantage in the long run, so they do. Well, thanks for that, guys. And I suppose, um, what can a patient do to minimise their risk of developing a parasol hernia? Yeah, I think Tracy just touched on some of those there now. And she was just saying, I suppose, making better lifestyle choices in general. If your procedure is an elective procedure and you know you're going to have a stoma, then there's no better time than, than to take those changes and make those adaptations sooner rather than later. So, yeah, reduce your weight as best you can. Start to increase your physical activity and your exercise tolerance so then whenever you're recovering after your surgery, your baseline is higher. And then with everything, eating a healthy, balanced diet can only serve you well. And for recovering, stop smoking or reduce smoking. You're four times more likely to develop a parasomal hernia if you smoke. So stopping or reducing that will significantly reduce your your, uh, chances of getting a a hernia. Um, And again, the same with alcohol, reduce your alcohol intake or stop altogether if you're able. And then the big one really is the the lifting, the heavy lifting and knowing your own, uh, working within safe parameters. So after surgery, just being really um, controlled with your abdominal um, exercises, making sure that you're um, engaging your core before you do any heavy lifting, things like that, so that you're conscious of your abdominal wall um, and supporting it and holding it with your hands or as Mary said earlier, with a, with a pillow if it's a cough or a sneeze and you're at home. Just giving yourself a gentle hug if you're going to do something like that, just that you hold your abdominal muscles together to prevent that hernia developing. And then I suppose when we get to the three-month stage after your surgery, we will guide you at that stage in terms of what you can do uh, to, to help minimise your risk of longer term development of a hernia. So at that um, clinic appointment where we see our patients, we will measure you for a support garment. 
Now, when I say a support garment, there are lots of choices available. There are really quite fashionable vests that you can wear, and there are stronger support belts that you can wear. There are high-waisted ladies' underwear and men's underwear, and there's even sport leggings uh, with with support in built into it. Now, all your lycra and things can yeah for support. Even in those early days, just a good as Tracy said earlier, a good supportive pair of pants is is you know without having the compression in it. Um, a good supportive pair of pants in the early days is a really good idea, but then after that, um, more um, I suppose prescribed compression within well, well, the garment would be a heavier level of support. Really and truly, post-operatively, a good pair of support pants that you can buy out of, say, the likes of Primark or Marks and Spencers mm-hmm. or Dunn's, you know, they don't have to be ex- extortionate prices, is a good choice to make. But for the heavier duty ones, we would need to really um, fit that, and that's usually at our three-month appointment or 12-week appointment, whatever. And of course, these uh, these things are on prescription, so it's three garments, isn't that right? Three garments for the year, um, and they are renewed annually. So that patients obviously aren't out the cost of these because some of these specialist garments can be quite expensive. But um, and some of the belts are very expensive. They're like eighty, ninety, ninety. A garment, so they are. But we will work with the individual patients, and uh, obviously there's levels of support within each one, and some levels of support are easier to tolerate than others. So we'll get to know our patients and work out what patients are more more than likely going to wear because it's important that the garment we provide. And the patient will wear because if it's too high a level of support and they don't wear it because it's uncomfortable, then it lies in the cupboard. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we work with the patients. Mm-hmm. And if it's a light support and they're able to wear it, then that's better than a, than a higher support that they don't wear. Mm-hmm. So, and I suppose with, with support belts, I always say to patients, you know, wear it for an hour the first day and, and to build up the length of time that you can tolerate it. It does take time to get used to them because they are quite restrictive. The, the other thing about them is you don't wear them in bed at night. At night when you're lying and relaxed or um, another thing I would say to patients is you don't have to wear them if you're lying down watching television. But if you're out and about and you're active and you're driving and you're gardening, gardening, doing the grocery shopping, doing the grocery shopping, <laughs> doing the housework, you know, um, everybody uses your abdominal core muscles all day, every day. It's just knowing when you engage them and when you don't um, and being sensible. I think the, the good news would be that you can ask family and friends to help you. It's a good excuse, uh, but it's uh, it's fair to say that you can ask someone to help you with the garden and split the, the groceries, you know, ask someone to carry them on your behalf. Just if you can avoid that heavy lifting, then that's probably the, the first thing that you should do. Uh, and then if you can't avoid it, then it's just making those measures, taking those measures into account, wearing your support garments and then splitting the load, using your arm muscles instead of your abdominal muscles or your leg muscles when you're lifting as opposed to your tummy muscles and um, just being sensible and cautious when you are doing those activities. And reducing the risk of hernia is very much in your control and uh, if you live a healthy lifestyle and if you listen to our tips hopefully it reduces the incidence of, of a hernia occurring on you. I think it's also important to say that and if you are told that you have a hernia Please don't stop exercising and not wearing your support garments. Just because you have a hernia, we would advise continue doing your exercising. Just use, make better decisions and wear your support garment. Um, and it shouldn't stop you from living your life and doing your usual activities. Just think a bit more wisely. So if you do have one, it's okay. We'll just manage it that you continue your life as normal. 
So guys, thanks very much for joining and sharing your expertise and knowledge and offering those helpful tips and advice to our listeners. And thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and benefited from it. We'd like to invite you to complete a short feedback questionnaire, which is available via a link in the episode description of the podcast. Thank you.